HR leaders, what's on your mind these days? Is it AI? Is it the economy? The talent market? Remote work? Retention? DEI? Pay transparency? New laws? Our 2024 Workplace Trends Report outlines how HR leaders are thinking about these challenges and what they believe will help their organizations overcome them. Want to find out what they said? Head on over to peoplemanagingpeople.com forward slash workplace trends 2024 and download the report to find out. When I think of a leader, I would say the first thing that comes to my mind is someone you can trust. Someone that uh, you can trust and look up to and that can be an example to that you want to be like. And so uh, a leader to me is someone that you can trust and someone that's willing to, to step up and, and take us, another individual to the next level. Welcome to the People Managing People podcast. We're on a mission to build a better world of work and to help you build happy, productive workplaces. I'm your host, Tim Reitzva. And today I am joined by Jordan Bogard, HR evangelist at Eddie HR. Today we're talking about onboarding. Onboarding is, well, simple, right? Get somebody their computer, set up 100 onboarding meetings, give the new hire a 30, 60, 90 day plan, and I guess they'll get to work. Well, that's not wrong, but it's definitely not right. Onboarding, well, it's about demonstrating that we care, communicating what success looks like, and what the role expectations are, and also leaving new hires feeling like they've made the right decision. We only have one chance at onboarding first impression, so take that to heart. In this episode, we'll hear how Jordan onboards at Eddie HR and get his perspective on how to onboard the right way. Jordan, so good to have you on the People Managing People podcast. I'm excited about this topic and it's a timely topic. It doesn't matter. I don't, if we release this, this conversation today, tomorrow, a year from now, it's a timeless episode. I, I can feel it already on the topic of onboarding the right way. And before we get into it, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what's top of mind for you these days? Yeah. No, well, well, first and foremost, thanks, Tim, for having me on. Uh, excited to talk about this topic. And, and like you said, it is kind of one of those timeless ones. It's changed significantly over the past, you know, five to 10 years with technology. But no, excited to, to dive in and talk about that. But no, about me, I'm from Utah. I'm married to my beautiful wife, Erica, and we have four children together. And so I'm pretty obsessed with them. Whatever they like to do, I kind of like to do. And so, you know, playing, you know, football with my oldest to go into cheer competitions with my girls to riding bikes with my five-year-old. And so pretty passionate about that. And then on my free time, I'm, I'm an obsessed mountain biker. And so that's what I do most mornings is get up early and, and go ride. But in regards to the business world, I've been in the payroll and HR space for almost 14 years now. I worked at like ADP, Heartland, started my own payroll company, actually. And then I merged with uh, this company, Eddie, that I'm with now about three years ago. But yeah, super excited to chat with you and, and dive into onboarding. So Onboarding. Yeah. But before we get into the conversation, and I'm I always see that my first two leading questions always kind of interweave with what we're going to be talking about today. And I, I'm just a naturally curious person. I can get lost and down a train of thought or down a, a Google rabbit hole for hours. And so big curiosity question for me is what does it mean to be a leader? That's a, that's a deep question. I, I've thought about that actually recently, thinking about the people that have inspired me and, and led me throughout my career and, and throughout my personal life. And so when I think of a leader, I would say the first thing that comes to my mind 
is someone you can trust. Someone that uh, you can trust and look up to and that can be an example to that you want to be like. And so as I've kind of really gone deeper into my history and who's been leaders for me, some of my favorite ones were the ones that like, connected with me up front. They, you know, really tried to understand who I was as a person, what, way, what made me tick and got me excited about life. And then they motivated me throughout the, the whole time as, as they were my leader. And so uh, a leader to me is someone that you can trust and someone that's willing to, to step up and, and take a, another individual to the next level. I love it. I love that succinct answer. Trust is such a, a key component of leadership, being able to trust someone, but also someone who gives trust and not that, that sense of earning trust. And, and the next question I have, again, our purpose here at People Managing People is to build a better world of work. And if we can figure out how to solve this in the next 5, 10, 20 years, that would be awesome. And, and people like yourself, who I know I look up to is, I'm curious, when you hear that phrase, build a better world to work, what comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, especially lately, I think globally, we've experienced some very interesting things. I mean, you're up in Canada, I'm down in the United States, but I think we've experienced with the, the global pandemic of COVID, right? And, and building a better place to work, mm -hmm. uh, I think is, is being flexible, right? I think that's been one of the top of mind topics to me in regards to, to building a better place to work is is that flexibility. People have been working from home for, for many, many years, but now some people have been forced to work from home or work remotely and not come into the office and do that group space. And so I think if you're trying to really build a better place to work, um, it, it really starts, and this sounds, may sound cheesy, but it starts with like onboarding, right? That, that first impression that a company gets when you bring on a new employee. Mm -hmm. And so when they come in to, to be onboarded and they're learning about the company, they're learning about the culture, they're gaining who their leaders are and who they're going to trust and things like that. And then those leaders sit down with them and they set those expectations. If leaders and, 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 and managers can set the expectations up front and the individual employee understands what those expectations are and whether you set up like weekly goals or quarterly goals and you hold that individual accountable to them, whether they're working at the office or they're working from home or they're working from, in my case, a, a Starbucks or a corner bakery or whatever it may be, I, I work out of my backpack 99% of the time. As long as you're on that same page and, and those expectations are set and the individual contributor is accomplishing those, I don't think it matters where they work or how they get it done, but they just accomplish those tasks and, you know, they get exactly what the company wanted accomplished in those that time frame. I think that's the, the way you make a better place to work is, is being on that same page and, and being held accountable to your expectations. So, uh, we're, we're so aligned on this. I, I wrote an article a while ago about this, just about that clarity that leaders need to provide their, their organizations, their teams, clarity on the vision. What, where are we going? What are we doing? And here's what you're responsible for at an team level and an individual level. And here's the accountabilities. It's not you know, accountabilities we sometimes view as a negative, but here's how I can make a difference within this organization. And, you know, that's at, at a 10,000 foot level, but we're aligned on that when we hear those words, expectations and, and accountabilities versus, yeah, you're sitting, I'm sitting in my home, you're sitting in, in your home. And if I didn't know what I was supposed to do today, would I just sit here and stare at my screen for eight hours? It's creating that, that good experience, a good onboarding experience. And it's a good lead into, I was just sharing before we hit, well, go ahead. I, I was just going to say with that being top of mind, it's been interesting because every May I do this thing called How May I Help You on LinkedIn. And I try and help people find new jobs, like people that have been laid off or 
they just wanted to make a transition and, and move to a different space or, or just move to another company. And I've talked to hundreds of people I've, as I've done this for the last four years. And one of the things that was most shocking to me is people that are like six months, two years into their career, they didn't know what their expectations were. Like they, they read the job description and it was completely opposite of what their manager was trying to get them to do and accomplish. And so I think it's shocking that a lot of people leave because those expectations that they had up front or what they read on a job description when they were hired is the exact opposite of what the, the manager, whoever's overseeing them is trying to get them to accomplish today. So anyways, it's kind of an interesting topic. It is. It's very timely. I was sharing before we hit the record button, I was reading a, a study or just kind of briefing through a study real quick, you know, 700 person study that was done last year, people starting a new role in during the pandemic. And apparently out of those 700 people in, in the US-based study, 62% didn't have a clear idea on the company's org culture. So nice. after they're onboarded, they still don't have a clue. And 71% said they were unsure who to even build a relationship with. So can you imagine like, being onboarded in a remote environment, a remote workplace, sitting there and going, I don't know who I need to talk to. Who should I talk to? You know, for all in an office, we can walk around, grab a coffee, you meet somebody at the quote unquote water cooler. And who are you? What department do you work in? But in that virtual space, we don't necessarily have that, which is just crazy that we're not putting the focus, the emphasis on this. Yeah. And, and so I'm curious. I mean, let's just dive into it. What does it mean to onboard the right way? And I'm really in the context of, of a remote workplace. Yeah. No, again, that, that's a loaded question. You know, onboarding in itself and then you add into it the right way. I think for every company, the right way is going to be a little bit different. But if we were to agree on, on specific terms, I would say one of the first things to be onboarded the right way is to one, let's go back to, you know, like before you even onboard them is, is to before you hire them and everything like that, what are those expectations, right? And those expectations should be laid out very clearly in your job description. And so I think a lot of people fail at posting job descriptions and sometimes they go super deep. I mean, I don't know if you've been on job boards lately, but there's some that do a very simplistic, which I love actually is, you know, bullet points and say, here's what the job is. Here's a couple of bullet points, what you'll be doing. And then if you, you know, see what you like and you get a first interview, then those expectations or those, you know, job descriptions are you go into a deeper dive and they, they let you know what those expectations are, right? Whereas some of them you read and it's like six pages mm -hmm. of like, you need this experience, you need to know how to, how to exactly how to do this. And you need to be know how to do exactly how to do that. And if you don't, you're not the right candidate. And if you don't have a master's degree, and if you don't have this, where some people will still fit into that criteria, but they don't have every specific you know, thing that that company is asking for, and it weeds a lot of people out. And so I think uh, before we can even jump into onboarding, I, I want to talk about that a little bit because you need to set those expectations up right first, because then as you dive into onboarding, now you, once you've hired that person and they become, I consider almost as your child, right? It's like you go ahead, you get married, you have a kid. Well, you decide to have a kid and bring that person into this world. It, it's you're bringing that person into your company. You're bringing in that person into your culture, and they're a part of you no matter what. And they're going to represent your company in many different ways. And so, once you've decided to do that, if you do it the wrong way, just think what what happens if that employee goes rogue or starts posting on social media or gets on a podcast and and talks about the culture and, and does things like that, and it goes viral. And it's not even close to what your company culture is or what it is. And so 
Anyways, if you onboard that person improperly and don't do it the right way, there's a lot of things that can go negative, I guess you would say, right? And so if, if I mean, we could probably talk about this portion of it for an hour, but uh, if we kind of dive into doing it the right way, technology's evolved. And so I would say doing mm-hmm. an onboarding properly today is not throwing paperwork at them. On day one, no employee wants to come in and sit down and have an employee handbook that's, you know, 70 pages long and say, hey, here's the employee handbook. We'd like you to read through it. And if you have any questions, please come back to us and let us know. And they throw you in a dark room. They give you a drink or something like that and say, hey, read through this. Oh, also, we got this legal paperwork that you have to do as well, right? In the United States, it's, you know, the W-4, the I-9, your direct deposit forms. All that stuff can take not even just a day, but can take a week. And so if you're a new employee and you're coming into this company and the first week you're thrown into a room and, and all you're doing is reading about their culture and legal jargon from an attorney that you don't even understand and you're not super stoked about, what kind of experience, I mean, I'll ask you, does, does that create, right, Tim? I mean, if you're thrown, how would you feel if that's how you were onboarded these days? Oh, absolutely. I've been onboarded like that, yeah. where it's, you know, this was many, many years ago, pre-pandemic is, you know, hey, Tim, here's your cubicle. Here's your laptop. Here's a link to the employee handbook. Somebody will come get you at some point this this morning. And here's a bunch of paperwork you got to fill out. And wasn't introduced to anybody. So I'm sitting in a cubicle and it was awkward. It was terrible. I didn't even know where the, you know, don't know where the washroom is. Don't know where the water is. And you're sitting there going, okay, I guess I'm filling out paperwork. I guess that's my my first day. And it, and it leaves that first impression. I mean, that's, that's in an office scenario. Now, imagine this is in a remote scenario where you're sitting at home, you get an email and say, hey, somebody will set up a meeting with you at 11, but they've asked you to be there at 9 a.m. or 8 a.m. It's like, okay, what am I supposed to do for three hours? And uh, yeah, and it just, you know, it sets that, it's that first impression. I love how you said, you know, when you, you decide to bring a, a child into this world, it's like, you know, you're bringing an employee into your organization. How do you want to to treat them? How do you want that first impression to be? Do you want them to go home to their family or shut their laptop at the end of the day and say, wow, I joined the right company or be like the 62% of the 700 survey and go, I don't know what the heck this company's about. No, it's, it's 100%. I mean, you can, you know, take it before you bring a child into this world or wherever it may be, but like you, you go on a date, that first impression, right? Say you're on technology, bring it back into this, or you, you swipe right and you, mm-hmm. you go on that date with that individual. And the first impression is, who is this individual that's just, you know, talking about this subject and I don't even care about that or whatever it may be, whatever that bad first impression is, but do you go on a second date with them? No. I mean, and it's the same thing. You get a week into filling out paperwork and watching, you know, training videos on sexual harassment or whatever it may be that's required to do, that there's better ways to do it. But by week two, your first impression is so bad that you may already be looking for another job. And so with the great Mm -hmm. resignation, as everyone's calling it these days, you can't just hire great talent without onboarding them properly and setting those expectations if you're going to retain them, right? And so I always call it, you know, learn how to hire and retain employees the proper way. And uh, you'll keep employees for life. You'll be able to, you know, help them build their career and be a phenomenal leader and, and take them to the next level. But if you get that first bad impression, it could go sour and, and they're looking for a new job. I mean, 
honestly, with how many people are switching jobs these days, every two to three months, I would, I don't know, I haven't seen studies on it or I don't have specific numbers, but I would predict that, you know, 80 to 90% of those were sold on a vision that was not a hundred percent realistic. They got those expectations from their job description. And then on day one, they had such a bad first impression and a bad taste in their mouth that they were negative and, and wanting to to look elsewhere immediately. And and so you got to have that really, really good first impression. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, that first impression is, is so critical. I was uh, recently at an HR conference and one of the speakers was talking about you know, employee boomerangs and people who've decided, okay, I'm going to leave this company, go somewhere else and realize, oh, wow, this company was pitched me the a completely opposite of what I would be doing. Hey, old previous company, can I come back? And so it's, it's, it's fascinating. And there's, there's a lot of data coming out now about, I don't have specific percentages, but people who you know, want to go try something new and for, for whatever reason, realize it wasn't the right decision. And, and I love that you said that it's, you know, onboarding the right way, but even attracting the right people, getting your job descriptions crystal clear, you know, get out of the jargon. You know, if somebody has, it's like you said, six pages of here's what you're responsible for, six pages of things. It's like, no, I think that's four jobs, not one, <laughs> but nailing it down and spending that time on that. You know, I came from a company who was about five accountabilities. Here's the five things. And that was extremely helpful because when we were interviewing people, here's the five things that you are accountable for. Would you agree? Do you sign up? Do you, do you like that? And it worked because then it created a succinct onboarding experience. So important. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's in person, right? And, and you brought up the question in regards to, to doing it remotely. That's an even more difficult task, mm-hmm. right? Especially to kind of bring them into your culture and help them understand what your values are and what your, your company's trying to accomplish. And so, I mean, just kind of some best practices in regards to doing it remotely there's some really fun ways you can do it, right? We've done it where you can gamify it and so, hey, here's what the expectations are. We need you to do this documentation for, you know, legal purposes. We need you to read through this handbook for this purpose. And if you get this all accomplished within this allotted amount of time, we actually already collected, you know, your favorite place to shop is Nike and your favorite, you know, place to go to dinner is Roos Chris. And so by getting it done in this time frame, we're going to reward you and we're going to give you a $150 gift card to Nike and a dinner for you and your spouse to go to Roos Chris, right? And so by doing that, you're, you're still using the, the money you would have spent anyways to, to do a lunch or whatever you may have been doing in, in person. But mm-hmm. uh, you're motivating them. You're getting them excited. You're rewarding them for getting that work done. And it just it, it takes it to another level where that person's excited to get the boring paperwork done. They're being rewarded. They're feeling like you actually care about them. And then you ask some questions to understand, you know, what motivates you. Where do you like to shop? What's your favorite place to eat? Like those kind of things, even though they may sound little, but then when you use them and reward them, it it just goes a really long way. And then on top of that, the great thing is if you're tracking like birthdays, work anniversaries, stuff like that, you have that data in your background stored. So now it's, you know, say it's Tim's birthday and he loves Nike. Hey, Tim, so, so excited that it's your birthday. Happy birthday. Here's a $50 gift card to Nike. And and it's like, oh yeah. I did put that I like Nike and my company gets that. They understand me and uh, they're rewarding me and, and recognizing me for my birthday and for my anniversaries and stuff like that. And so anyways, yeah, there's, there's things you can do to really motivate those people 
and feel like, I mean, show that you truly care. Cause if you don't care, then why are you hiring them? But, you know, show that you truly care mm-hmm. and that you want them to be a part of the team and, 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 and for long term. Right. So anyways. Well, I think you, you're kind of touching on something that I think is really important when we're onboarding in this remote way is how do we want that person to feel? How do we yeah. want these individuals to, again, close our laptop after day one, day two, day three? And what is that experience we want to create? You know, I had the opportunity to onboard in person and at people managing people. Now we're, we're mostly remote. So if I would want to be onboarded, how do I want to be, right? It's like, make sure the laptop is there. I was onboarded remotely once and uh, day one, I had no computer. So that was really hard. So again, it's just at its core is going back to, you know, how do we, how do we want our, our people to, to feel within our organization? And it goes back to being a leader. It's going back to that trust. And I'm curious, a horror story of, of being onboarded the wrong way. Have you heard of anything, anything come to mind? especially in the context of remote, what have you seen or heard? Or maybe there's just something top of mind of like, just don't do this. I mean, honestly, the first thing that that comes top of mind isn't remote, but it's a personal experience that I had. I was brought into a company. I was super stoked because it was a, it was a promotion. It was a big job for me. And I was like super excited that I had, you know, accomplished this and that I was going to be able to hire right on at this level and things like that. And, and I show up day one and the director of HR comes out and sits down with me and they're like, wait, what was your name again? And, oh, we didn't have you starting today. And I'm like, wait, so should I go home? Or, you know, like there's this whole other group that had started the same day as me. And there was about 10 individuals and they had their swag, their new shirt. They had like their welcome, you know, they had these, like, there was like four or five items, you know, their computer, all this kind of stuff. And I show up on day one, like super excited. And they're like, who are you? And, you know, oh, you're not supposed to be starting today. And they rushed in and, and got some like kind of hodgepodge stuff together. But, you know, these individuals had swag with their names on it and, you know, cups with their names on it. And I, I was just super disappointed. And so that bitter taste, like, honestly, from day one, I didn't want to work there, really. And uh, I left within a year. And, and it was mm-hmm. primarily because that, that you know, bad taste I got from day one, there were, there were multiple others. It was a you know, kind of a tech startup and things like that. And it didn't go the direction that I wanted it to. But that first impression and then not even knowing who I was, was just, was a horrible for me personally. But yeah, I mean, I, I've onboarded, you know, thousands of people and been doing this for a long time. And I would say that the biggest thing that is a fail, especially remotely, is exactly what you were talking about earlier, that organization and having everything set up properly, right? When you hire a new person, like for example, at Eddie, we've got to get him a computer, an email account, swag, decorate their desk, you know, set up, we set up meetings with all the executives so they can sit down with them the first day and they can kind of tell them the story and their vision of the company and what their experience has been and really get to know them. And so we do some really cool things, Eddie, and I, I think we do it the right way, to be honest with you. It's the best onboarding experience I've ever had as is here at, at Eddie. And I've, I've gained a ton of experience and uh, knowledge and, and learn from this. But yeah, you know, if, if day one, they don't have their computer if they, day one, they don't know what their email is and they don't know what these kind of things are, you've got to make sure that you're structured and everything's just kind of 100% set up and you have a process in place for every employee on board before they start. And this is weeks and months in advance because if you want to rapid hire someone, you can if you're structured and organized. You know, if you, you know, bring someone on and say, hey, you're starting in two weeks, that means you got to have their laptop ordered. You've got to have, you know, their tablet, whatever it is. 
You got to have all their software. Tech has to do all their stuff on the back end to make sure they have logins to Slack, logins to all the different softwares you use. All that stuff needs to be done. You've sent it to them and they've experienced that before they, they are on day one. And so I would say organization and structure is, is the key thing to, to making that work properly. Yeah, I, I like that. Even just set yourself up a checklist. You know, if you're an HR leader listening to this and don't have a remote onboarding checklist, you need one. Think about all the processes, all the people involved, what you need from the hiring manager. Hey, hiring manager, have you, if you use a 30, 60, 90 day onboarding plan, what is it? Do you have it planned? Like, do you have a plan? What is this person doing on day one, day two, week one, week two? If the answer is, well, I don't know, but you know, I know they're going to be busy. That's not an answer. You know, we need to get, you know, hyper clear because, because again, it's that first impression. We, you know, ambiguity will, will, will kill that, that excitement very, very quickly and setting up that structure. And then you can play around with that, right? Maybe it's, maybe if somebody is like, okay, I know what I need to do. You can pull back on it. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I found the easiest way to do that is, is reverse engineer it. So set up that 90 days, go backwards mm -hmm. to day one, and if everything looks clean, then, then roll it out and, and set up, you know, if you can, the more you can automate the better, but yeah. And then that reverse engineering goes a long way. Yeah. I, I'm really curious about Eddie HR and you'd said it's just an amazing, or maybe even the best, I think you said, uh, uh, onboarding experience. So like, what is, what are one or two things that you do that you think other companies should be doing or what may set Eddie's onboarding apart from others? Yeah, I mean, no, thanks for asking that question. I, I would say the biggest thing that Eddie does is they make it really, really simple. And so whether you've been in HR for 20 years or you just got thrown into HR because you're a company of 10 and you were the ex executive admin for the, the owner of the company and all of a sudden he's saying, hey, take on HR. It doesn't matter what your experience level is. You could get in and without us even training you, but we do, like obviously we onboard you and do it properly you could figure out how to do it. And so that that's the key thing is 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 ease, right? And so don't make your your processes complicated, simplifying them as, as much as possible. I always say if like like for example like on a, on a PTO example, right? If your pay time off policy, the lowest level employee doesn't understand it, it's too complicated, right? Um it's the same mm -hmm. thing with onboarding. If you don't keep it really simple and really clean, that you can automate it and do it 100 times over every single day then you're going to fail because you're going to miss things. You're going to have your checklist and some of them may be too much to get done in a day. And so the more you can simplify, the better. But yeah, anyways, going back to Eddie, I would say that's the, the biggest thing they do is, is they simplify it and they simplify it through the whole process. And so if you need to onboard like and bring in your, your documentations, we can make any document fillable or signable. So all of your legal documents, W4s, I9s, all that kind of stuff. A majority of it's already in there and you can kind of customize it to yourself. And then your employee handbook, you can upload it, you can put in signatures. And so there's zero paperwork. It's all automated. You can do it straight from your cell phone. The last 10 people I've onboarded at Eddie, I asked them, how long did it take you to do your onboarding paperwork? And the average time was anywhere from the fastest 15 minutes was really quick to 45 minutes. Wow. And so you're looking at 30 minutes to go through all that documentation. You can do it right from your computer. We set up to like make it so you can reward them at the end, give them a gift card to their favorite place to shop, wherever, like I mentioned before. But it's just really, really mm -hmm. simple and easy. So that's, that's, I guess, the biggest selling point there. 
Yeah. I mean, again, you hit the nail on the head is it's not complicated. It doesn't yeah. need to be complicated. No. You don't need to script out every single minute of every single day. But again, from an onboarding experience in a remote world, I mean, leaving an employee, a, a new hire, sit there for two, three hours, not knowing what's next, what meeting is next, you know, that's not good. No. So you, you could fill up their time. And, and again, at this conference I was recently at, they were talking about onboarding in the remote way. And and how this one company was was saying that they had lost employees right after the onboarding because the onboarding was so terrible, just to your point earlier. And so they knew that, okay, we need to throw some resources here. It's that first impression and setting that expectation. I think that's that's where you, you hit the nail on the head is, you know, setting up that expectation, that first impression, keeping it simple, gamifying it. And um there's so many templates out there, and I know at EHR, the Mavericks, there's, you know, head there for resources, head to people managing people for resources. If you're looking for that one-on-one template, that 360-90 day, that checklist, you name it, they're out there. But that's not there to solve your problem. Design it first and then start looking for resources to, to fill it in. Would you agree with that? Because I, I often hear about, hey, I need an onboarding. I just need a checklist. It's like, no, I think that's probably your third or fourth thing you need. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on that? And do you agree with that or? Yeah, I would say I agree. And I would kind of like add more to it. I mean, uh, that data is out there. You're 100% mm-hmm. accurate. You know, people managing people, HR Mavericks, Eddie, I mean, our competitors, we're, we're in a commoditized world. There's, there's so many resources out there for free that you can go gather. But I think the key portion of that is is making it your own, right? You know, when people come into your culture, what do you guys stand for? What are you guys trying to accomplish? What are your goals over the next five years? Like if people don't know what those things are when they come on day one and you don't get them excited about it because, well, for one, if you're not excited about it, that's, I guess, another bad onboarding experience. I've seen, you know, many day ones for employees, they come in and the person they're reporting to is kind of a bump on a log and and no one wants to be around them. They're an EO or whatever you want to call them. And it's like, holy cow, who did I just introduce my, my new member to? Why would they want to work for them anyways? And so anyways, you got to have those people in the right place too and, and make sure that their expectations are set at the highest level because they're going to be the ones representing your company and setting out first impression for your employee. And so if we were to kind of take a step back, I mean, yeah, looking at your current staff and your employees and making sure that they're excited about your culture and that they're putting that enthusiasm into the new employees goes a long way as well. So, Absolutely. And I think as, you know, I I always like to end conversations on, you know, what's that one thing somebody can do today, whether you're leading people or you're head of HR, and you know that there's work to be done on your onboarding, whether it's in-person, remote, hybrid, whatever that looks like. What is that one thing that somebody can do or where should somebody start? I mean, that's a, that's a deep question, that one thing. I, I'm a man of many words. I don't know if I can break it into just one thing, but if I were to break it into one thing, I think, especially with this generation and the things the way, like with COVID, pandemic, uh, this may sound really cheesy, but show them that you care. Showing an individual that you care about them and that you want them to succeed, I think is going to go further than than anything uh, in regards to like rewarding them with a trip or, you know, a TV or whatever. Maybe, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a sales guy and so there's a lot of different spiffs and incentives out there, but I would rather have a manager that cares about me and truly cares about me as an individual and as a person, not just as an employee, than winning the the top award, right? That would go so much further for me than than anything out there because I think especially, I mean, 
top of mind these days too. We didn't talk about this, uh, but mental health, right? That that's that's huge right now. Um, mental mm-hmm. health and and you know people being able to break away and and be able to take care of that, and whether it's getting a therapist or maybe, but like when you have a manager that cares about you and you feel like you can go talk to him about anything, again, caring is 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 the thing that I think that matters most because people want to to have that comfort of having people that care about them. So. I love that we're ending on that note. It's, you know, again, like you said, it's a commoditized space in some ways. There's checklists, there's templates for onboarding in whatever environment, but it's, you know, at at its core, treating humans as as humans. We're bringing people into our organizations and inviting people into our work lives and and our and our lives in general and showing that we care is so so important. Yeah. Jordan, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And how can people reach you? How can people get a hold of you if the, if they want to know more? I have to say thanks again, Tim. No, I truly appreciate you reaching out to me and, and having me on your podcast today. But the easiest way to find me is is absolutely on LinkedIn. And so uh, if you go to LinkedIn and look up Jordan Bogard, I've got all my personal, my email, my cell phone numbers on there. So you can contact me that way. And then obviously our website, if you want to check out at www.eddie.com is another great way to find me, but Jordan Bogart on LinkedIn is the easiest way. So, Perfect. I appreciate that. And, and to anyone who's listening, we'll put links to, to Jordan's contact information in the show notes as well. And again, Jordan, thanks again for coming on. And for those who are listening, I always appreciate your, your feedback, your thoughts, what other topics you'd like to hear. So please reach out to me at tim at peoplemanagingpeople.com or find me on LinkedIn as well. And with that, I hope you have some inspiration and some clear actions on how to restructure or recreate or redo your your onboarding experience with your organization. Thanks again and have a good one. Thanks, Tim.